Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. We are excited. We're here with Mile High Sports in conjunction with Swipe a Cam, and I am excited on this episode, Swipe I, I didn't get to catch the game last night, but I'm sure everybody else did. I'm sure everybody else was having a grand old time, and I know that Nuggets fans are vibing just like Cam is. It's good stuff, man. How are you on this fine Sunday afternoon? Ah, well, you know, Got a chance to watch who I think the two best players in the NBA, uh, the battle of the Giants, the battle of the best, battle of the bigs. And we got a chance to see the Denver Nuggets, number one seed in the West. Uh, All the noise and all the clamoring about the Denver Nuggets dropping from the number one seed in the West to the number one seed in the West. (laughs) And Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks who had won 24 the last 27 games prior to coming into Denver last night. And we got... A great, great game for Denver Nuggets fans and maybe a message for the NBA at large that you best not miss if you come for us. There was a lot of talk, man. There's a lot of talk over the course of this last week about, man, the Western Conference is mid. All the Eastern Conference teams are way better. All the top three East teams would be the favorites coming out of the West. And lo and behold, the Milwaukee Bucks, they they played on the second night of a back-to-back. I, I want to – we'll get into that just a little bit. But, like, they didn't have to go hard against Utah. They're up, like, 30 at halftime. It was definitely – like, I think Giannis played 25 minutes, and they were a pretty easy 25. So, anybody like Giannis should have been perfectly conditioned, perfectly fine to be able to handle this kind of pressure. Chris Middleton didn't play in that game. There are a lot of guys that – you should have been able, like they should have been able to get it done or at least keep it close heading into that fourth quarter. And Denver just ran away with it because that's just what Denver does at home, man. So we're going to recap this week now. Obviously, we're going to focus much more strongly on the Milwaukee Bucks game and, and how Denver crushed them. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, before this, though, Denver only played one game uh, at the beginning of this week. It was the Washington Wizards game on Wednesday. They had two days off before that game on Monday, Tuesday. Played on Wednesday on the final game of a five-day road, five-game road trip. Did that, did pretty well, had a big, massive third quarter from that starting unit. Then had another couple of days off, had a practice day on Friday. And you could get the sense that Denver was really rear enough to try to, to, try to go hard on this Saturday game. And lo and behold, they do it. They absolutely show up in a big, big way. Swipe, but what stands out from this week, man? Well, I think one of the things is that this is the second straight game where the Nuggets turned into the 2016-17 Golden State Warriors in the third quarter. And what do I mean by that? So versus the Wizards, the Nuggets, they they had, it was 55 to 57 at half. By the time the third quarter ended, it was 94 to 73. 94 to 73. And then after that, 
the Nuggets, they kept on rolling, and then you get into the Bucks game, and the Milwaukee Bucks, they were up 66 to 63. And next thing you know, the Nuggets go on a 34 to 19 run in the third quarter. And I think we started to see signs of this. You let me know. I think the Detroit game, towards the end of the game, that fourth quarter, you kind of started seeing the Nuggets turn on the gas just a little bit. They started to create some separation. And then in the Brooklyn Nets game, you saw them picking it up. Jamal Murray comes out, great first quarter. The team starts playing well. Jokic has a good game. Porter's everywhere. And they start pulling away a little bit. And then the Wizard game happened. Christoph Rzingis is looking like prime Kevin Durant in 2014 with OKC, making all these mid-range shots. And then they put on this crazy performance in the second half. And then you get to this game. I think that the Denver Nuggets were lulling the NBA to sleep to some degree. And I say that because they were 2-5 and five over a seven-game stretch. And over that stretch, do you know what the narrative was, Ryan Blackburn? Sure, you know what it was. Of course I know what the narrative was, Swiper. You lock into it. <laughs> they were frauds. They can't actually play defense. They're not committed to playing defense. They're getting too comfortable with their status at the top of the West. Jokic isn't that player because he's never played a lick of defense in the NBA. And all of a sudden, he's no longer favored for MVP because of a seven-game stretch. So then they come out and said, bet, we're going to win three straight games, and then we're going to absolutely demolish Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday, and Brooke Lopez in the number one defense in the NBA and give you 129 points? Come on, man. Come on, Come on, man. man. Come on, man. I mean, it is it is so funny to, uh, to to hear a lot of the noise, to hear a lot of the discussion where Denver had been riding high they off of that Memphis win back in like I don't know three weeks ago now or so. Yeah. Like they they were they were cruising at that point. There were no issues. Everybody was like, okay, so I guess the Nuggets are just gonna be the far and away best team in the West. And then they go in through a little bit of a lull. You definitely you definitely see a lot of the noise and. Oh, man, LeBron James coming back today on Sunday. LeBron James, it, it, there's just a lot of noise about, oh, man, Lakers fans, they can't keep themselves quiet. They can't keep themselves from uh, from saying anything about, about like, oh, if you, if you meet the 1-8 matchup and it's the Lakers and the Nuggets, oh, they're going to show up. Now LeBron's back, and they lose by 20. <laughs> like, what are we doing? What are we doing, man? All of these other teams, they go through these ups and downs, and they are perpetual ups and downs. When the Nuggets go through an up and a down, they're going to get back up. They're going to get back up on that high horse because that's the kind of team that they are. That's the kind of team that they have been the entire season. And anytime that you ask them to show something at home, they show it. They've passed every test, every single one. They have not lost to a good team at home in a long time. <laughs> like it's just, mm -hmm. it's they lost to Dallas at one point. They lost to Chicago at one point. Who I guess we were talking about before this is actually they're they're fine. They're good. They could they can show up, but like th those weren't serious games. And right. anytime that Denver has gotten up for a serious game, they've delivered, and everybody has delivered that, especially Jokic, especially Jamal Murray too. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that if you're a casual NBA fan, which apparently uh, you can cover the game and be one of those, so you know we'll stay out of that weed. But I think a lot of people sometimes get lost in this idea that, Ryan, if you have a seven-game lead over first, I don't think that it's, it's necessarily like okay. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just telling you what it is. Seven-game lead for the first seed, and you've got a 
go against the Raptors in another conference. All right. Spurs, who are tanking. All right. Bulls, who are in another conference. All right. And then you got to play against these other teams. That has nothing to do with you. The net, they have nothing to do with what we're trying to achieve. None of these teams are a barometer of our success because we're not going to see them in the finals. And if you're in the Western Conference, the Spurs, we're not going to see you. You're not playing in the playoffs. So I think a lot of this, if you contextualize what happened, you're like, man, you don't love that it happened, but you can see why it happened. And then all the narratives that were created about it. And, Ryan, this is what I think for me the thing is. And then we can get into the Bucks game, you know, if you want. I think the thing is people have been looking for a reason to discount the Nuggets the entire season. People have been looking for a reason to discount Joker the entire season. And all that I think is what actually happened was is that people finally had ammunition for their preconceived notion they had about the team and about Jokic. And once they were able to be substantiated by some bad losses to some poor teams, that's what fed the groundswell of the narrative, even in the MVP conversation, but really with the Nuggets as a whole. Does that sound like I'm even in the same ballpark? No, I think I think you're probably right there. I think there's there's no doubt that the, all of this is it's kind of feeding on itself, you know. Where or Denver, they they are always the they're always the recipient of discussion like this, and and they never can get out in front of it because they never get the benefit of the doubt in these conversations. Where if if you're a t- like a national team or a, or a glamour market, then you're always going to get the benefit of the doubt, but the Nuggets just haven't done it yet. And I think a lot of, pe- a lot of people are waiting on them and a lot of people are not going to give them the benefit of the doubt, especially after the way that the playoffs ended last year, where yeah. you saw, I think, I think Steph and clay and, and Jordan Poole kind of clowning on Denver at various points in that series. And like, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I think right. a lot of people do say that. Like, I think a right. lot of people, did, question again, brother. We we watch basketball like both of us. Did yeah. I? Did you see Joel and B? Great game, forty six points. Great, great, great shooting performance. Did That's you see Joel and B trying to stay in front of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole? The it's other pretty day? hard. <laughs> <laughs> so That's why it's so funny. It's like, wait, so Jokic with none of the regular rotation players outside of Aaron Gordon that are there this year had to play in a playoff series versus these dudes who won the championship, by the way. And everybody's like, well, he's a defensive liability. Woo-dee-woo-dee-woo. Embiid just had like a 120 offensive rating with him on the court versus the 76ers the other day against the Warriors, who are a mid-team this year. So this is what I mean. Jordan Poole went off. Clay went off. Steph went off. And they sure were attacking the rim off pick and roll. But, again, it's just like when people see the Nuggets, it's like, they can't be as good as the numbers say they are. They can't be as good as they look right now because, as you said, they're not a legacy franchise. And Jokic, we barely want to be the worst MVP in 35 years. <laughs> it's it's hilarious, man. Like, I I, I laugh at it because I, you watch. I watch. We, we see what we're seeing. We understand what's going on with this team. We understand what's going on with this dude. And, and he's been unbelievable. And, and now I guess we should really talk about this Bucks game and, and let's let's focus in on this matchup right here. Uh, I didn't get to watch the game last night. I tried to consume as much content as I could while enjoying a bachelor party is what I will say. Uh, it, it, we, had, we had a good time. We had a good time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we need video uh, evidence. <laughs> lips, lips are sealed. Um, but no, we, we, we are, we are, I was, I was following along as, 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 closely as I possibly could without being able to watch. So I want to get your lowdown on this. 
I saw the box scores. I saw the highlights. I got the feelings. I, I listened. I listened to various shows. I want to get your opinion on this matchup last night and why it was so definitive by the end. Yeah, that's a good question. So for context, I want to be fair to my Buck fans. They did play in Utah the night before, but also to be fair, they basically didn't have to play a basketball game after the first half because they were up so demonstrably. And then I think I think uh, Giannis played 24 minutes, I want to say. So it's not like they had yeah. a crazy load. Chris Middleton also did not play that game. They rested him to play versus Denver, which goes to show you how they were approaching the game. That's true. So then they get into the game, and I remember listening to some of the NBA TV breakdown that, well, Nuggets, you if you you gotta you gotta really measure yourself this game because if you give up 38 points and have a bad defensive performance versus the Bucks at home, you're gonna get clowned out. So what happens? They scored 38 points in the first quarter, right? But you know what happened? The Denver Nuggets scored 37 points in the first quarter. And you also know what happened? Jamal Murray was taking it to Drew Holiday, Javon Carter, Pat Connington, Grayson Allen, Brooke Lopez and drop, Giannis and drop, Bobby Portis. All of them were getting that work. And Jamal Murray had 20 points. You also know what happened? They ran a stagger screen, basically, and said, Jokic off that little baseline, that first opening possession they like to run. Jokic yeah. got it on that left wing, right over Brooke, Mitty, and it was like, man, there's something in the air. I feel like this man is about to try to make a point today. And boy, did he ever. Jokic went at Brooke Lopez on three consecutive possessions. Bucket, bucket, bucket. And I'm telling you, Brooke Lopez, he was holding on for dear life. He was trying to wrap Jokic as he was going up. And again, it was good defense. But Jokic was hitting these crazy underneath little George German Iceman finger rolls off the backboard, hook shots. Jokic was a man on a mission. And really, you just saw that in the first half, granted, Giannis had 24 points. I think he had five dunks in the first half, and I think he basically had nine to ten of his shots were inside of the paint. So the first half defense wasn't great for everyone. But, again, if you look on social media at the time, it's like, oh, Bucks are getting to the rim at will. I'm like, wait a minute. The Bucks have the number one defense in the NBA with two DPOY candidates, and they got up 63 points in the first half. But, again, it just goes to show you how the story is told, right? So what happens then? So Shane Young, who is a great content creator, he's a great writer, I love his stuff, you know, he mentioned something about the Denver Nuggets and them letting them get to the rim. And I said to him right then and there, watch the second half. Because the Nuggets, against teams they don't play against a lot, they'll make some of these little second-half adjustments. Right. Let me tell you, they didn't just build a wall. These dudes put up a city versus Giannis. (laughs) And they basically said, Giannis, you are not getting to the rim the rest of the game. And everybody else, don't have to beat up and contest the three-pointers the rest of the game. And exactly what happened? The Nuggets scored 34 points in the third quarter, and it held the Milwaukee Bucks to 19 points. And again, Zeke Najee, Jeff Green got in the game, Jokic was in there, and they were just literally putting their arms out wide, staying in front of Giannis, daring him to shoot three-point shot. And you know what's funny? If people don't watch Jokic and Giannis often, then you don't get to see what it looks like when they defend each other. Now, you saw during the World Cup qualifier last year, similar thing. Giannis got isolated on the Jokic, I think, on three separate possessions. And I think he missed all three of those shots or he got stymied 
when Jokic was standing in front of him. Because, you know, Giannis likes to do that, like, little dip, and then he'll just, mm, and try to get to the rim contact and get up for a dunker for a lay. But because Jokic is bigger than him, literally, he ran into Jokic. It was like he got stopped so badly. It stopped him in his track. And he had to try to find a way to pivot and throw it out. And people are probably saying, like, mm, Swiper, are you gassing it a little bit? No, because you shot two of eight in the second half. Two of eight. And Aaron Gordon, by the way, who didn't have a good first half, was a wall by himself in the second half. Oh, and by the way, uh, Michael Porter Jr., cool three of six from three for 19 points, took Joe Ingles to the basket as well. Jokic, that's cool, 31, 11 assists and six rebounds yesterday with doing whatever he wanted on the court, playmaking out of this world. Jamal Murray, a cool 26 points. I think he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, not assists last night. Playmaking great. He was shooting five of ten. Ryan, did you know he shot five of ten from the three-point line yesterday? And they kept they kept narrowing him. They kept narrowing him. And he was just like, all right, boom, 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 step back. Nick. So – it was a great collective performance. The Denver Nuggets, who don't play defense, by the way. Jokic, who doesn't play defense, by the way. Did you know that they gave up 40 points in the second half? It's I crazy. Know. Crazy. I thought, so, I thought they couldn't do it. Yeah, somehow, somehow, some way. Like, the Nuggets, I, I think one of the things that I've learned about them over the course of this season is that when the defense needs to turn up in a crucial situation, they will. And that crucial situation just happened to be the entire second half of this last game. They knew that they needed to go for a full 24. They didn't really go for the first 24, but the second 24, they were able to lock in, absolutely playing great. And it was really cool to see, man. It was really cool to see them react to that moment in that way and not shy away from it. I think Jamal kind of setting the tone in the first quarter, Joker setting the tone in the first and second quarter, those guys showing up in that moment, I feel like it gave a lot of confidence to the rest of the team. Because when you get on a roll and you stay in the game and you take the opponent's best punch and you're only down three at half, that's when Denver's at their best. That's when they know, okay, you guys were hitting a lot of shots on us. Cool. That's great. You got around us a couple times on the baseline, in drives, whatever. But Denver knows how to lock in. They know how to become the best version of themselves this year. And that's something that's really stood out over the course of this entire season, especially when Denver's been in these crucial situations. They know what they have to do. And it's just a different feeling than it has been in any of the right. previous years. Right, can I ask you a question? Of course. So the 2020 playoff versus the Los Angeles Lakers, would you say that the Denver Nuggets got, besides the whistle stuff, do you think they got a little bit out physical in that series? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I think the Joker wasn't at his best physically. I think that Paul Millsap got pushed around a little bit by AD. I think that Jeremy Grant was pretty small going up against LeBron James. Right. So, you know what's funny is that there's like sometimes this misnomer about the Nuggets that they're not a physical team because of that series. But the Bucks, which I would say might be the most physical team in basketball. Yeah. The Memphis Grizzlies, I would say, might be the second most physical team in basketball. Yeah. I mean, Heat, I would say, maybe a top five most physical team in basketball. But have you noticed that when those teams try to get physical with the Nuggets, what ends up happening is the Nuggets will flip the script, become the aggressor, 
and they literally start to pick you apart. The Memphis Grizzlies twice have not scored over 100 points versus the Nuggets in Denver. The Milwaukee yeah. Bucks were held to 40 points in the second half. And remember the first time they played? I think the Bucks scored uh, – do you remember the score? I think it was like 104 to 96 or something like that. Like it wasn't even like a crazy win. Yeah. The Nuggets didn't have Jokic, KCP, MPJ, or Jamal. And they still held them to a really pretty low standard. So – and then the Heat, they beat the Heat twice. And I think a lot of this comes down to, man, people are trying to assert their dominance versus the Nuggets. And that's actually the opposite of what you want to do with them, I think, on a defensive strategy. Because I think the more physical you get with them, then the more Jokic, Murray, they're going to start to maneuver you to get out of position. And they're going to start to kill you when you overhelp or when you overcommit. And that's when Porter out of nowhere is hitting three-pointers. That's when KCP out of nowhere is hitting those mid-range shots. So I felt some of that in the first half. And in the third quarter, and I think this is what did it, Brooke Lopez was getting super physical. Yeah, got four fouls. Then he was on the sideline. He's complaining to the referee, gets a technical. Bobby Portis tried to get physical, and he hit Jokic in the face with his hand. And I think he was trying to get some momentum going until he wanted to get a rise out of Jokic, and he started talking to him. And Jokic literally just walked away from him. And I think a lot of people, you don't realize how physically dominant this team is until you get into the arena with them. Yeah. It's one of those things where I, I love that they can win games in different ways. And one of the things that you forget is that they've had to play so much finesse ball over the course of these last couple of years, trying to keep up with teams like Utah, Portland, Phoenix, Golden State, all of these guards, all of these quick hitting actions, these perimeter based actions, Denver's had to play with speed, but it's not actually their strength. Their strength is that they've got the best front court in the NBA. Full stop. It's the best. You've got the MVP. You've got Michael Porter. You've got Aaron Gordon. And when those three guys are in sync the way that they were last game, like there's it's they're an unstoppable trio in my mind. And it's really cool to see them be able to attack that team in different ways. I think that that front court in particular is the reason why Denver should be favored in a matchup against the Bucks, which is a crazy thing to say. That's an insane thing to say, but it's also the truth. By the way, to that point, Porter, your front court that you're referencing, Porter shot 7 of 12 yesterday, 3 of 6 from 3. Aaron Gordon yesterday shot 4 of 9 from the field yesterday. Jokic shot 10 of 20. So you had 50%, you had roughly about 63, 64% from Porter. And then you had from Aaron Gordon, you had almost 50% as well. And then again, on, you know, four of nine from the field. So they were getting to their spots and they were hitting their shots. And so I think to this point, again, I just think that the playoff this year is going to be really telling. The Nuggets have to do it. But I think what people are going to find out is, the reason they're so good in the clutch is because they are going to be more dominant than you are, more yeah. nice than not. And so what does dominance look like? Well, again, the reason they have the number one defense in the clutch is because you're not just going to get where you want to go. And because we're going to try to funnel you to the spot we want you to get to, and Jokic, as he did versus the Wizards, and as he did yesterday, when he starts playing serious pick-and-roll defense, for instance, man, it's just like a – it's just a different – it's a different feeling and it's a different vibe when they start to lock in. So, Ryan, when that third quarter happened yesterday, man, I'm just sitting here looking like, dude, this team has a higher ceiling than I think it's ever had because they are more willing to commit to playing elite-level defense than they've ever been. 
I love it. I love it. They've got the guys. They've got the talent. They've got the mentality. It's great. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's funny. We're going to talk about their ceiling, but in, a, in kind of a different frame in the next segment where we talk about parity across mm. the entire NBA. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, folks, we'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Superbook. You don't need to find a pot of gold to strike it rich this March as, as we're wrapping up March here relatively soon. Instead, win money on your tournament wagers with Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best team of odds makers in the business, so they're the safe bet when it comes to sports gambling. You have a direct line to their experienced staff behind the counter in Las Vegas. They also have one of the most extensive betting menus around, so no matter what you have, no matter what you want to wager on come tournament time, Superbook is sure to have it. Download the Superbook Sports app and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Weekends with Swipa. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Joined by Swipe a Cam, the magnificent, amazing Swipe a Cam, who does great work on the post games on his YouTube channel. This is being simulcast to his YouTube channel. If you're watching on his or if you're watching on uh, MHS, uh, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to each of those YouTube channels if you possibly can. We're doing great work. Going to get this all ironed out before the, the playoffs start, man. And that's just... It's just a couple weeks away now. Mm -hmm. It's just a couple weeks away. I am rearing for it. It is going to be amazing. Really, really excited for this entire uh, this entire run that Denver's about to go on. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, but now we got to talk about parity. Now we got to talk about what I think is a very interesting topic. Now everybody's talking about the West as if it's trash. Everybody's talking about the East as if it's superior. They've got three teams in that conference with uh, with superior net ratings. But I'm not sure if it's actually superior. I'm not sure what to make of it. I don't think that there are any super dominant teams in the NBA this year. I, I feel like this is as open of a league as we have ever had before, where you can have teams like the Milwaukee Bucks who rattle off. Well, how many wins did they win in a row? Like 15? And they come into Denver and they show their flaws. They show that sometimes they can't shoot. Sometimes when their defense gets broken, it gets broken. And I think you see that with a team like the Nuggets, where sometimes they can't defend some of these perimeter-based attacks. You'll see it with the Sixers, where they they couldn't really defend the Golden State Warriors, where, hey, lo and behold, perimeter-based attack, as we mentioned. Uh, but there's a lot of teams that – have weaknesses up and down their rosters that that can't play certain styles and it really is a styles make fights kind of league right now and i just wanted to get your opinion on it why, why do you think this is happening right now why do, why do you think the league has has sort of flattened out where it, it used to be a super team league where all of these guys are are just playing together and now it just doesn't seem like that's the case anymore yeah you know i think the thing is is that the reason why people think it's so there is so much parity is because the people at the top in the West, at least they just haven't been there. They're not a legacy team or they don't have a champion 
The Nuggets have never had a champion, and they are not champions, and Jokic isn't a champion. That's the only reason why people think it's wide open. The core hasn't won. The King, they're not champions. They don't have players that have won, and neither do the Memphis Grizzlies. So I think the reason people think this is because until you do it, you're just a really, really good team. And I think the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers, they all have players in the Suns now. One player, Kevin Durant. They all have players that have won championships and then been to the finals or won finals MVP. So I think that's why even now people are like, man, well, the Lakers could beat the Nuggets. The Suns could beat the Nuggets. The This team could beat the Nuggets. The Clippers could still beat the Nuggets. Kawhi Leonard has two finals MVPs. And so I think that's why people are communicating about the parity. And again, we're going to be honest with each other. I think some of it is true about the Nuggets defense. You know, we'll talk about here in a minute how good they've been. But I think – Real concerns are, can Jokic stay up on defensively in the playoffs when he's getting attacked relentlessly on pick and roll? They can't rim protect at a high level, so can they keep you out of the paint? Those things are real, but a lot of that is also based on old information. Update your resume, new information. The Nuggets actually have been very good defensively, and Jokic has had spurts of being very good defensively. He's been a positive defender all year. So a lot of this comes down to until – the prototype for Jokic, which means the best offensive center ever, arguably, maybe one of the five or six best offensive players ever, who is at the center position, who's not a defensive machine, that player has never won a championship. So until the prototype is proven to be true, I think people will continue to say that it's wide open because until the two-time, maybe three-time MVP wins a ring, then there's no reason to shut the door of hope for some of these other franchises. I've heard the comparison made before that this is kind of like the 2014-2015 season where after LeBron James goes back to Cleveland, things are a little bit weird. They, they take a little bit of time in Cleveland to, to get it up and running and ultimately do make the finals in that season, though they, like based off of the actual like way that they played that year, they probably shouldn't have. Uh, and then in the Western Conference, you had a lot of different teams that – were very good, that obviously still very capable in the Spurs and uh, who had just just won the title the previous year. Uh, you had the Thunder, uh, but though they were de- dealing with injury issues like a lot of teams are currently. And then you had the Golden State Warriors, who not a lot of people really thought about that much. And they got a coach in Steve Kerr who really changed the game for them. They had some development from their, uh, from their team internally and ultimately figured some things out about themselves. And made a couple smart moves and suddenly they were an elite team and they like their point differential and their like actual win profile and things like that are way stronger than anything like what we see currently in the Western conference and Eastern conference right now. But it's to me, that still feels like, like a lot of people were hesitant to pick them even when they had showed that -hmm. they were that good, even when they showed that they were still very capable because they just hadn't done it yet. And until you do it, until you figure out those ups and downs, which I, th- I think Denver has, if we're being honest, I think they've, they've gone through the ups and downs of this and they know what to do going forward in order to make themselves the best team that they can. Uh, I think that Denver is still the most likely team to come out of the Western Conference because they've gone through that profile and they've also, they're also kind of flying under the radar still because of all this national discussion and because even though like they haven't done it yet technically – they're still the team that's clearly, clearly the best setup to do it outside of maybe the Phoenix Suns. Right. 
Yeah, and so I think a lot of this comes down to the last two years plaguing the Nuggets, unfortunately, the Sweep versus the Suns in the second round, and then the five-game series versus the Warriors. And again, it's unfair because I think Jokic gets his examination because, you know, he's up for winning three straight MVPs. And so when people are examining from a bird's eye view, but really, uh, you know, they're looking very closely at one series, they see that he's getting exposed and pick and roll versus the Warriors. And I've, I've said this so many times, Ryan, like, bigs get exposed versus elite guards. But the difference is, is that Embiid, his counterpart in the East, they just don't have the guards to be able to go at him on a consistent basis. And also, he's a better defender. We know that. Yeah. But I think a lot of this is until the Nuggets are able to go into a playoff series with all eyes on them, and they're playing against one of these teams, again, like the Suns, like sometimes the Lakers, but like one of these Clipper teams or the Warrior teams, if they go into a series and they, again, right? I, and again, you know, you told me if I'm tripping because I, I don't, I'm not putting this out there, but there's parts of me, Ryan, that feel like the Nuggets are going to be even more dominant than I think the most hopeful people may realize. And I'm saying this to say that we're used to the Nuggets going seven games with that core all the time. But, Ryan, I think there's a possibility where they're playing at home and they're just so good and they're getting one of those road wins. There are some series, even against some of these teams that people might pick to be in the same category, where they can literally maybe win these series in four or five games. But, again, that's your ceiling. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it feels like that is a possibility for them. It's definitely a possibility. It's definitely one of those things where it it will a lot of times be matchup-based. It will a lot of times be, hey – if, if you have a good matchup going into something like this, and I'm going to use the Lakers as an example, the Lakers and the Bucks are actually kind of similar in terms of how they are built. Not a ton of shooting, lots of like rangy athletic defenders. You've got a guy in LeBron James that likes to go get downhill a little bit, but a little bit more finesse than, than somebody like a Giannis. And Anthony Davis is kind of a blend between Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Is I'd, I'd probably call him that. A physical team, a a team that wants to beat you up, the team that wants to get to the free throw line to get on the offensive glass, things like that. Denver, they weren't ready to deal with that physicality before back in the 2020 bubble. Now I think they clearly are. I think there's no doubt in my mind that they have the bodies, the physicality to be able to get through something like that. Now, whether they actually do or not, that remains to be seen. We're we're just going to have to play that by ear, but... I think that's one where a lot of people would think, hey, six or seven game series based off of the talent. It, it may not be. It may, it may be the four or five game series like you're talking about. It could be if it's the Oklahoma City Thunder. It may be a four or five game series because they just don't have anybody to stop Joker. Uh, and it could be that for a lot of different matchups that Denver faces in the first round. Now, second round, I, I, I got nothing for you because I do think that if it is against the Suns or against maybe not the Clippers, but if it's against the Suns or the Warriors, I feel like that thing is going at least six just because I, they, they're going to get hot and there are going to be times where Denver just doesn't have an answer from a defensive standpoint. But that's where we're talking about. Even if you have the best player in the series, this parity is still going to even things out by a long shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just really curious. You know, I think um, because part of me, like if I'm evaluating the Nuggets, I'm just like, man, but. Actually, while you were talking, could you talk about that stretch the Bucks went on? I think they won 16 straight 
and they've won 24 the last 28. The Nuggets had that stretch during that Memphis series, that Memphis game and the Celtics series, the game, they went 19 and three. Yeah. And they were obliterating people. And it's because defensively they were just like an immovable object. So is there a possibility in a 16 game playoff sample size that the Nuggets just basically become a buzzsaw and they also have the best player. They also have the best two man game. They also have the best shooting and they also are the most physical team because that's who they are. That's their profile, right? They're like, they're the bucks with not as high of a defensive ceiling, but a way higher offensive ceiling. So what does that look like when you get in the playoff series? Are you able to utilize that all of that for your advantage? And I'm not going to lie to you. I love the idea of having four defenders around Murray or Jokic with the second unit. I like the idea of a playoff setting because I think, as you saw yesterday, I saw you post that clip from, um, uh, I think, CT. can't remember his yeah. name. on a, yeah, CT. Uh, yeah, CT on Twitter. Great follow, by the way. You know, he talked about the staggered strings that are all the way at the top of the key. I mean, there's going to be some stuff that Malone and, and, and they're going to throw at uh, defenses that I think is going to really cause them some problems. So, you know, We'll see how it goes. But I think it's definitely a lot of parity. But I think that the Nuggets, they should have the expectation of making it to the finals. Not to mention, I, I don't think that this is like, – this is one of those discussions that doesn't really happen nationally. But everybody talks about Denver's bench being crap. Everybody talks about how Denver doesn't really have that many answers when Jokic goes off the floor. Well, the great thing about the playoffs is that's not going to happen as often. <laughs> like right. he's just going to be out there or, or they're going to stagger a little bit more. It's, it's just not going to be as prevalent of an issue as I think a lot of people are thinking. And Denver will try to play nine. They'll try to play as many guys as they possibly can and keep everybody fresh for what's, a, what's supposed to be about two months if they can go the distance. But I do think in general that the parody conversation is – it's good for the NBA because it gives a lot of fans hope. It gives a sure. lot of fan bases and teams hope that they can get through it. But there's going to be a ton of disappointment when this thing goes chalk, basically. And you've got the one, two, three, and four seeds in each of the conferences that still advance to the second round. And then all these teams that are in the five, six, seven, eight, like the Lakers, if they make it there, like uh, the Warriors or the Clippers or, or a team like that. They're going to be like, what the hell? We thought that we could do this. We thought that the that the Kings and the Grizzlies were just going to roll over, that the Nuggets were just going to roll over because they're not on our level. That's not how it works. It's it's I, There might be one upset, but I can't imagine there's going to be more than that because the regular season does matter in building habits for these things and getting home court advantage and things like that. It's hard to do it otherwise. Yeah, and I think that's a thing that's a little frustrating for me sometimes. Because I've been thinking about this over the last week. I'm like, why can't the Kings win a playoff series? Because everybody's just assuming that they would lose in the first round. Now, they don't play defense at all. But they're also the best offense of all time, as a unit at least. So for me, it's like, you're telling me that it's a team that's played connected. And they've been like the healthiest team in the West. And oh, Darren Fox obviously has a little tweak right now. Hopefully he's back soon. But they've been playing connected all year. They've been good all year. They've been very, very dominant in many phases of the year. And they're just supposed to, like, roll over just because you said so? Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me, you know? So I'm just like, I just think that people need to give them and the Memphis Grizzlies more of a chance. Now, Nuggets, we already know what time it is, man. People just don't like Jokic. So yeah. they just, they just, they just, whatever. 
So I think that you're right. I think there's a real possibility that, look, Warriors, you make the fourth, you make the fourth seed, Suns, you make the fourth seed. That might be it because if, if it's Suns, Warriors, and four or five, that might literally be your top four teams are crossing over. I love it. I, w- I want that series to happen because I think it would just be epic. And and if you get like, how, how funny would it be if Denver gets into like a five game series with whoever whoever is in the the eight seed, and then whoever they have to face in the four or five has to come out of a seven game series that's epic and full of narratives and just for distractions and all of that right. stuff. So that would be good for Denver, just from a selfish perspective. Um, real quick before we hit another break here, how many teams do you think can win a championship this year? Like, is that is that an unfair question? Uh, given that we talked about parity, because I don't think that the number is as large as a lot of people think that it is. Like I, I've heard people say, oh yeah, I think six or seven or eight teams could get out of the Western conference this year. That's first of all cap. But second of all, it is, is like, just, I, I just can't imagine that any, anything like that could happen for any of these teams. Yeah. I think there's three in the East. Uh, I, I I can make a case for any one of those teams. Uh, I think Meade and Harden, that two-man game is just unbelievable, um, especially when they're both healthy. Uh, Giannis has a – I went through this the other day. They won't be able to play uh, Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, uh, Chris Middleton, Deontay Tocumpo, Brooke Lopez, Javon Carter, Joe Ingles, Pat Connington, Bobby Portis, Jay Crowder, and then if they want Goran Dragic. It's so like their roster is loaded. Uh, and then with the Celtics, I mean, they got – they have nine players that legit could start at any point in time. Uh, plus they have two star-level players, uh, Tatum and then Brown. So I think they have three clear. I think the, the the West is a little more difficult because I think you could make an argument for the Suns and the Warriors. Um, and if you really want to, like, push it, push your luck, maybe the Clippers. Um, but I think it's more than likely going to be Suns, Warriors, and Nuggets. So I think there's probably six teams, I would say, that have like the most legitimate chances. Yeah, it's probably six. Uh, of course, you didn't put the Kings and the Grizzlies in there. I did not. Man. I think they're very good. I, I do. But I just – I don't know if they're sealing their half-court offense for the Memphis Grizzlies in the defense. They don't – the difference is when people have the conversation about the Nuggets, the Nuggets have a defensive personnel you can put together. The Kings do not. Like, it's Sabonis, Barnes, Keegan Murray, and – and uh, Herter and De'Aaron Fox. That's that's that it. They're not defenders. They don't have anybody that you can look like Aaron Gordon or KCP or anything like that. But I just don't think they have the defensive system. Yeah, I'm with you. I believe me. I'm just I'm just giving you shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a uh, it's a tough one because I, I think everybody wants like you you want to be able to extend that that opportunity to everybody. Hey, you could win a championship this year. You could win a championship this year. Yeah. But you got to have at least a top ten player. And I, I know the Nuggets and the Sixers and the Bucks and the Celtics. Well, I guess maybe the Celtics. Um, and so, sorry that that that'll that'll make its way back to Boston. Um, and then the Suns, of course, the, with Kevin Durant, they will definitely all have top ten Warriors, guys. Yeah. And and the Warriors will have a top ten guy as well. Uh, beyond that, it's it's hard. It is just really really difficult to find the consistency and the profile that you're looking for from a contender. But I think that those six teams are probably the ones the warriors to me are the one like, can they win a road game? Like just, just win a road game, a serious road game at one point against yeah, a team Rockets, that isn't yeah. having a breakdown. Like the Dallas Mavericks are like that game right. didn't count. That was 
dumb. That, there's no, there's nothing there that you can really take from that. Like th- this should, it should not be this difficult for the Golden State Warriors to get a win that actually matters on the road, and yet they haven't all year. Yeah, I think that's one of the things. They their best road win. I'm trying to even rack my brain. I couldn't even remember who it was. It may be Memphis. I don't know if they beat Memphis in Memphis though. Um, they just beat the Rockets, and like that was like a, a celebratory thing. I think they have eight road wins this year, and they just haven't beaten anybody of significance like in a convincing way. And they're and they're, they're around. They're like 500 with Steph too. So like it's not like this is like a non-Steph thing, you know. So I just think, man, like they're gonna. I'm giving credence and I'm giving credit to their big three by saying they have a chance. But just based on paper, if you just took this last eight years out of it, then well, no, we would all say no. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, tell you what, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to get into this Nuggets versus Sixers matchup, as well as our takes from the future and everything that goes with it. But first, we've got a special message uh, from Mile High Sports. Now that March Madness is finally here, the energy in the office has been absolutely electric. I mean, what could be better? You got brackets, you got bets, you got last-minute shots, Cinderella stories. March has everything. But for every big moment during March, there's always the opposite. And here at Mile High Sports, we're not exempt from feeling the pressure. Yeah, I got to do the show with Danny Williams today. Cody, you know, the talent always needs his day off every now and again. So I'm doing it with that, uh, you know, has-been wannabe. So it's been, uh, it's been interesting, man. It's been interesting. All right, boys, it's almost time to put a bow on the show. 30 seconds. All right, Jeroni, you ready to finish this? Let's do it. Let's finish strong. I got to go. I got to finish this show. All right, I'll call you back. Bye. Oh, man, let's get this over with. I am ready to go home. Oh, man, hurry. We're running out of time. Time out. Time out. We're out of timeouts. Dude, we're out of timeouts. What do you mean? This is just like Chris Webber. I guess it's true. Nobody's safe in March. Not even the greats. That's a T. Technical foul. It's a basketball play. What are you talking about? You know what? Technical foul again. You're gone. See ya. Every team, every day. This is Mile High Sports. All right, we're back. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. That was a, a special commercial that was produced by our, our good fellas at Mile High Sports. Uh, Michael Ferrero, our producer, who is currently producing this particular show, uh, the star of, the, of that particular of that particular. Actually, well, Anilo had some had some big moments there, but uh, had 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 to have a had to show that one off. That was pretty fun. Um, all right, Swipe. Let us now get back to this. Let's preview this Nuggets versus Sixers game on Monday. I am very curious to see what happens in this one. The Sixers are not playing their best basketball right now. That is pretty funny when it comes to MVP narratives. We, we won't get into all those yet. Uh, I'm sure there will be there will be plenty of time to, to have that particular discussion if the game goes positively for Denver. But I wanted to get into this game because, look, Denver, they passed their test against the Milwaukee Bucks, but it doesn't mean a ton unless they can then deliver this, this other win uh, in a, in a tough situation like this one, where you've got a team that's rolling or, or not rolling. Cause, cause they haven't been playing their best basketball, but if James Harden does play, if Joel Embiid does play, and if the Sixers take it seriously, which 
think they probably will, but I mean, they, they may still like, it would be hilarious if Joel Embiid rests, that's for sure. But right. if they do play and you get a solid matchup between two juggernauts in these two conferences, then I, I think this is going to have another effect as, as this Bucks game did. And in basically shaping a lot of narratives on players, teams, coaches, conferences a, a lot of different things like i th- i think that this should be a, a pretty fun one for sure uh yeah it's gonna be great you know um i hope harden plays that way we can make sure there's no harden didn't play little narrative thing out there yeah. um their offense has been bad without harden um i don't know if you know this but they, they are one in three in their last four games um and they've lost two straight so if the 76ers lose again but here's the thing um they don't necessarily need to make the second seed. And they're also ahead enough, I think, two-and-a-half game lead on the fourth seed. They really don't have a lot of incentive to win this game other than one in this one personal battle. But outside of that, there's a real opportunity for the different Nuggets to add to that losing streak to give them their third straight loss and their fourth loss in their last five games. And if that happens, we will then be back at the same situation the different Nuggets were in two weeks ago, except the Sixers, will have lost to the Bulls, playoff team, the Warriors, playoff team, the Suns, playoff team, the Nuggets, playoff teams, all in the last five games. So, man, Denver, they are one game up right now on the Philadelphia 76ers. If they win this next game, they'll be two games up. And you start to get into that little conversation of like, all right, Embiid got a game in Philly. He got he got he got a massive performance and and maybe he still has another massive performance in Denver and will we will I mean honestly it's probably <laughs> going to happen because he's a dominant force very very good I had a column over this or on Friday about the MVP race and everything that's kind of going into it right now with the, the big men conversation and things like that which I, I implore everybody to read if you haven't but uh, that's on MileHighSports.com by the way but. I do think that Denver, they have an opportunity here to do what the Sixers did to them back on January 28th, where they surprise them. They they play a little bit of possum. They they play possum for a little bit in the first half. Maybe they play their vanilla coverage. Maybe it maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but if the Sixers kind of go with the same stuff that they did, where they're having PJ Tucker guard Nikola Jokic, they are having Joel Embiid roam off of Aaron Gordon. You got to imagine that the Nuggets are going to be more prepared for that this time around and will probably have their own tricks when it comes to different matchups, different schemes, different plays uh, heading into this particular game. Yeah. This is a a little bit of a danger zone game, I think, for the Sixers. And the reason why is because I actually do think the Nuggets are a little like they're I think they're a little bothered by the things that have happened recently. And I think they paying attention to a lot of noise. Even Coach Michael Malone's comments about the MVP conversation and the toxicity and stuff. Everybody knows what's happening. All of these players, but Jokic are on social media. They all know what's happening. They all know the odds. And honestly, Jokic may not care as much as some other players do, but I'm sure he cares. And I'm sure that there are Nuggets players that care an awful lot. So if you're telling me you have a chance to put down the number one seed in the East and the number three seed in the East all at home and you beat the Celtics by double, by the way, you know, you could get the Thanos collection here, Ryan. They beat the the Celtics by, I think, 11, I think, or 12. I think it was 123 to 111. They beat, 
They beat the Bucks by 23 at home. And now you have a chance to get a double-digit lead, double, another double-digit win with a top three seed in the East. So think about then if you play them in the finals and they know they came to your house, took a double-digit loss. I think that all, all that stuff is in there, man. So I think that the Nuggets are going to take this game serious because they should have won that last game. They were up 15 with two minutes left. And they played maybe the worst two-minute stretch of the, in the NBA this year. They gave up a 12-0 run to close the third quarter. So – I think they, they, they're they going to come out with probably very aggressive to start this game. We're going to have to hope. Going to have to hope on that front because I do think that Denver wants this one. I do think that they, uh, for for both narrative reasons and also standing reasons and also just like general respect, that I think this team is now, like they're, they're kind of coming out of their shell a little bit when it comes to, hey, like we're going to stay under the radar for as often as we can. Not going to draw any attention to ourselves. Not going to do anything like that. This last losing streak, I think, really hit a little bit. Or they're like, okay, now now we got we got to get out of this. We we have to dig ourselves out. We got to show uh, both ourselves and to the rest of the world that we are capable of getting this done. And 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 I think that they've done that over the course of these last few games. I think that they've really broken out of what they what they needed to. Had some dominant performances in there, and you add this one to the list if it were to happen. And suddenly you've, you've beaten pretty much every top five team in the league. And yeah. you feel pretty good about it going into basically any series where they've, they've beaten the Celtics, they've beaten the Bucks, they've beaten the Sixers, they've beaten the Suns, they've beaten the Grizzlies, they've beaten the Kings. Like they've, they've won, a game, won games against all those teams if they're able to get this one out. So you have to defend home court. You have to run. You have to do everything you need to do in order to get this dub. But I do think that the Nuggets will uh, bring the energy in this one. And I think that they'll bring a similar intensity to what they had this last game. To your point, with Jokic in the lineup, they are 1-0 versus the Bucks with Jokic in the lineup. They're 0-1 versus the 76ers. But they're 1-0. They're 1-1 versus the Celtics with Jokic in the lineup. They're 2-0 versus the Cleveland Cavaliers with Jokic in the lineup. And then the Memphis, they're 2-1 versus Memphis with Jokic in the lineup. They're one and one versus the Kings with Jokic in the lineup, and then four would be the Suns. I think they're two and zero oh versus the Suns, if I remember. I think that's that. nine and four, if, if I'm counting right. So with the two and zero oh with the Suns, yeah, and then yeah. they're two and zero oh versus the Warriors as well. Eleven and four. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good record against really good teams. You know, yeah. I was talking about this on uh, on radio with uh, Sandy Clough and, and Sean Drotar here locally on MHS Radio, and and. They, they were saying, hey, they, they don't – like I think Sandy pointed out that they have a really strong record against the top teams of the West. And I'm like, that's because they kind of mess around and they, they don't necessarily take it as seriously against the middle to bottom teams of the West, like that, that middle tier where they, they know that they don't have to prove anything against that group. And I think that they've risen to the occasion against the teams that they feel they need to prove something against. And for these other teams, they they don't need to give them the time of day. And, and that's fine. That's that's how a champion should – really carry themselves is you don't look down at the the plebs at, at, at your feet like mm-hmm. that's like the nuggets are not going to deal with the plebs at their feet yeah and i think one of the funny things is uh not to harp on the lakers too much but I, lakers fans always say well you know they're two and two and they're they're two and one but lebron in the lineup versus the nuggets and all this other stuff I'm like, y'all that was like december like that was like before even the memphis game they were a completely Completely different team. Now, again, they made additions. I don't want to downplay that. 
But if the Nuggets have been working with the same roster and they've just gotten better as the season's gone on and they've gotten healthier as the season's gone on, yeah, man, I just think the Nuggets, by the time they get to the playoffs, man, if everything is kind of falling in line, and again, they have the 76ers, I think they'd have the Warriors next and then the Suns. Um, and then after that, I think they have another good team uh, that they're playing right after that. And then they got the Kings. And so, I mean, there really is some momentum they could build going to the playoffs. There's no doubt. And one of the things that I think we should probably look to just actually be, before, before we get to that Nuggets versus Sixers tomorrow, do you have any, you have any takes, you have any predictions for that one? I know that we, we did takes from the future. We'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit here, but yeah. Uh, I think I think there's we I think the the world needs a prediction from you, Swiper, on this on this game. Right. Yeah, I think that the level of aggression you saw from Jokic versus Giannis, I think you're going to see that again. Um, I don't know what it is, but that's switched. But I do think something has switched at least in the meantime for Jokic. He's averaging almost 30 points a game, 13, 12 rebounds and nine assists. I think in his last eight games, and yeah. he's shooting bonkers as well. So I think Jokic is going to take anywhere from four to five threes tomorrow as well. That'd be fantastic. That would be that would be wonderful. I uh, he he needs to like that's that's when he shows that he's really locked in is when he's rebounding at, at a high clip and when he's taking threes with confidence, just knowing that he has to deliver on those. So I think he's going to do it. Uh, I I mentioned in my I'll I'll bring it up in uh, takes from the future, but that was that was a. That's going to be a fun one. That's, this is right. going to be a fun game. This is going to be a really fun environment, and and hopefully we can uh, we can talk about MVP narrative shifting in the next uh, in the next episode that we're doing next right. weekend. It should be good. Um, real quick before we get to um, takes from the future, rest of the week is not like it's not simple for Denver. They did get through this last game, but over the course of these next couple games, they've got on Thursday. After this Monday game against the Sixers, they've got a Thursday game against the Pelicans. Then they travel to Phoenix on a back-to-back for Friday. And then Sunday, they'll be playing the Warriors, uh, I think, on NBA TV again uh, mm-hmm. that evening. So we'll we'll have to adjust our schedule a little bit to, to make that work. But it should be a lot of fun. It should be very interesting to see how Denver kind of matches up with a whole bunch of teams that want to get into the playoffs. The Pelicans might be struggling right now, but they want to get there. They are still doing their best to, to be able to get there. And they've given Denver some matchup issues in the past. So any of those games stand out as uh, as ones that you're really paying attention to outside of the field? Yeah, I knew they had five straight national TV games, but I did not realize that the Pelicans and Suns are back-to-back. Yeah. So that's really interesting that uh, – that's a late, that's a 10 p.m. back-to-back and a 10.30 p.m. back-to-back, it looks like, Eastern it's time. ugly. It's a gross one. That's crazy. So they're going to play at 10 in Denver, and they play in Phoenix, so that's going to be a 9.30 back-to-back, I think. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'll be really curious to see if everybody uh, – well, I think everybody will play. I'll just be, I'll be curious, you know, how they play that back-to-back. I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see whether they actually play all their guys in that one because uh, as as we're we're going to talk about this non Nuggets game of the week is T Wolves at Suns Wednesday March 29th it's the game that the Suns play right before they play Denver and the reason why I picked that game is because Kevin Durant's going to come back for this one so mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what they look like and and how they are trying to play together develop that chemistry and I think if you're Denver. You've got a second night of a back-to-back against Phoenix. 
why are you playing Murray? Why are you playing Jokic in that game? Like if, if you win this game against the Sixers, if you win the game against the Pelicans, your magic number is going down for the one seed. Like you're, you're still going to clinch. It's not going to be an issue if you rest this game. But it wouldn't surprise me if they just kind of tank that game. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they decide to rest some folks as a result of kind of Kevin Durant coming back. You don't want to give anybody any information like – the Suns have to prove stuff to you. You do not have to prove anything to the Suns, just based off of mm. how the season has gone. Yeah, I think if they win the next couple of games, I think they will be likely to – they could do that. But if they don't or if they split, I'm a little iffy how comfortable they'll feel. They got a three-and-a-half game lead for first right now. So, you know, maybe, you know, if it shrimps down to three or two-and-a-half, but if they win and stacks up to four, four-and-a-half, then, yeah, I could, I could for sure see that. So magic number is five with eight games left to go. That means that basically if, if the Grizzlies, who are currently the team that's pushing that magic number, if they lose two games out of their remaining, I think they've got eight or nine, then Denver just has to win three more games to clinch the one seed. They could do that this week. They could, they could accomplish that all, all in this week where you play the Sixers, you play the Pelicans, you play the Suns. And I, you're probably throwing that game, if, if I'm not mistaken. But then you're playing the Warriors on that Sunday game. And that's one where I think you probably still have to prove some things there. But I, I, I don't know. Like, they're, they're probably not going to go all out for that one either. Like, you don't, you don't want to give them any extra reps of – I mean, actually, that's not true. Like, I, I honestly think that the, those two teams are very intimately familiar with each other at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know what you're going to get in that matchup now. Yeah. Yeah, facts. Yeah, you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how they handle this week. But, uh, Ryan, my question for you, based on all this stuff, you know, I brought it up on Twitter. You know, I've talked to you about it before the show. Uh, the last 48 games, Ryan, the Denver Nuggets have the fifth-ranked offense in the NBA and have the sixth-ranked defense in the NBA. 48 games. Do you think that that is a sustainable number for the Nuggets going forward? 48 of 66 games, I believe. That's a crazy number. It really is like that. That's an underappreciated number for Denver where you've, you've gone through the ups and downs. You've, you've had times where you've totally stepped off the gas. Even these, like this last three week stretch where you lose four in a row, don't necessarily play any defense in, in half of those games. And you're still sixth. You're still finding ways. And there are still games where you can lock in against these top teams and shut down a team like the Bucks in the second half, the Grizzlies in the second half really lock in on, on, on your home court. And I think that that's probably where I draw the line is like Denver's defense at home is going to be great. I, I think that when they need to lock in at home, they can do that. The real question is whether they can do it on the road, which mm. I, I think the home road splits are pretty telling for Denver so far this year. And they still have some stuff to figure out and they can defend on the road, but it's, I think Jamal said it at one point that it's it's just harder to do it when you don't have the crowd behind you kind of motivating you and kicking you in gear a little bit. So, and also some of the communication stuff is a little bit different. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver, like in, in their home games in the playoffs where they can really lock in, but their offense is probably going to have to carry them on, on the road. That would be my guess. What do you, What's their best road win? Um, road defensive performance of the year so far? Because I can only think about maybe the Heat. Maybe Cleveland? Cleveland was one. Um, the Clippers game without Jokic, where uh, they really yeah. locked in on, on that one. And, like, Zeke Naji really stepped up yeah. in that game. Yeah, I he got dunked on twice. I remember that. Yeah, like, that was that was a good one. But but it was without Jokic. So, like, 
it, it's kind of hard to, to take that one as, as super seriously. But uh, other than that, it really has been the offense that has carried the day on the road. And I, I can't really think of that many crazy defensive performances. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So I think that's really salient point and I can understand that. And I think that's actually really good that, you know, maybe if your offense is going to get the level where you think it should be in the playoff, then that's still going to be very hard to beat for the other team at home. Yeah. So we'll see. We we will see whether they can whether they can kind of lock in on on the road at various points. But they've got opportunities, and then they had some over the course of this road trip. It didn't necessarily go great from a defensive perspective, but well, they had times where I mean, against Washington, they really locked in. But it's without Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma. Like I, I can't. It's hard for me to really take that one that seriously. Right. So we'll see. We will have to see. But let's now go to takes from the future. Uh, do you remember what your take from the future was last week? Mine, Other than the, yeah, what's yours? Well, my mine was uh, mine was Jokic, and it, it kind of included the Philly game as well. So, so we're we're still TBD on this one. But I said that Yoke would go for like 60, 35, and twenty over the course of those two games, and he has thirty and eleven on the on the assists now, uh, points and assists, but he only has six rebounds. So. I'm I'm looking for that 29 spot on the rebounds to be right. Could you imagine 29, 29, and, and nine? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if anybody could do it, if anybody could do it, man. Like, if that were to happen, but also like that means Embiid would have to he would have to be playing on PJ Tucker, like just rebounding and they're clanking shots. I think, which I don't have a problem with either. I think that would be a, a smart thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> they would have to be clanking, um, Man. for sure. I definitely could see, um, something like that happening for but we'll see. Uh, my future prediction is I think this week, I think they're going to go, I think they're a big, I think they're kind of gearing up. I think they're going to go three and one this week. Okay. And like, there's, there's a lot of opportunities to lose games this week. Like this Philly game is going to be tough. The Pelicans game is going to be a, it's going to be a struggle, and it's it's going yeah. to be the easiest game of the week, but it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the Suns back to back, which if they did win that game and and like Kevin Durant and everybody played, then that would be be pretty cool. Like that, I'd love to see that. And then obviously you've got the Warriors too, so it's a good prediction. Uh, which of those games do you think is going to be the L? Uh, it could be the Suns, but Ryan, wait a minute, I have a question. When's the last time the Nuggets? What's the last time the Nuggets beat Kevin Durant? Because they lost. Remember, they were up 20, 2020, 2021. They were up 20 twice and lost both of those games. Oh, yeah. That the Brooklyn game, was, that was pretty ugly. Um, did they the have Aaron game, in any of those games? Uh, did Aaron play them last year? Did, did they play the nest with them on the court last year? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that they faced them. Um, I'm, I'm genuinely like trying to think in my head because uh, the but, whole, I mean, bowl, points points bowl bowl started. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've really struggled with KD. Like that, right. that dude is really really good. And and honestly, like when when you have Joker playing a drop most of the time, when when you've got KD, like it, it's it's pull ups at mid range for for days. So they're they're gonna have to be aggressive with it. They're gonna have to try to figure it out. Uh, that that. Uh, deflection defense is going to have to be really good for Joker. I think in that game. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I think my prediction will be that Jokic reclaims the top odds. 
That was the dumbest. I'm telling you, man. That was the <laughs> dumbest thing, bro. I was so just watching this happen. I'm just like, that's so dumb. Like, Jokic had a 35, 20, and 11 game in that period. He had a 37, 11, and 11 game. He loses four straight games in the odds shift for betting. Yet, MVP tracker, the EPM, all of it is still like, it's Jokic clearly. And then the narrative's like, oh, this and that. But again, I'm telling you, Ryan, if Embiid loses tomorrow, that's going to be four losses in the last five games and three straight losses and then getting beat in Denver. Yeah, oh, man, like it's over. Like it's over if that – it has to be over if that happens. Well, at that point, like I, one of the games that I could have picked for uh, for this particular ex- exercise for the non-MVP or for the non-Nuggets game was that Sixers-Bucks matchup that's going to happen. Ooh, that's going to be crazy. Yeah. They play the Celtics too. Yes, there's going to be a lot, but that's on Sunday night. It's on, it's on Sunday night, April 2nd. Uh, same time, basically, that the Nuggets are on against the Warriors. So I know Nuggets fans are probably going to be more paying attention to that one. But look, if 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 the, if Giannis and the Bucks go off in that game and and they they defend home court really well and and Embiid doesn't necessarily have the best game, then well, I mean, I mean, my God, <laughs> it's going to be that's it's, the narratives are going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Seven Sixers to their credit, they have a really difficult schedule. And, and again, I think to be fair to Sixers fans, what frustrates them. They had this happened last year in March. Remember, they lost to the Nuggets. Jokic had twenty-two and nine in Philly, and being yeah. at thirty-four and nine, they yeah. lost. And then Embiid lost to Giannis, and Giannis blocked him at the rim. Two games. Now Jokic was already leading, but that basically slammed the door after that happened because those were late March games. So if you get another late March loss to Jokic and another one to Giannis, yeah, bro, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Those guys. Oh man. Of, I mean, well, here's the thing. Like, when, when your when your schedule's really hard at the end of the season, it means that it was easy at the beginning of the season. <laughs> it means that you right. had other opportunities where you didn't have to play these tough stretches, where you got to take advantage of all the home games. And if you didn't take advantage of them enough, then that's that's on you. Like, that's that's just on you for for messing around a little bit. And Denver's messed around too, but they're still up on the on the Sixers right now. That that'll change if the Sixers win. They'll they'll be tied right. and actually. Sixers will have a tiebreaker over them because they they swept them. So mm-hmm. it will be interesting. But I do think that man, this is gonna be this is gonna be a good week. I, I feel I feel good about this week, man. I, I think that this is going to be a crazy fun week for Nuggets fans as Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, everybody on the team, as they start to really lock in on the playoffs, as they start to really prepare themselves for what's to come. And this is one of the last major tests this week. It's one of the last major tests that they have to go through because if they get through this, I mean, it, there's no, I, I mean, they're going to be great. They're, they're going to clinch the one seed. Then they're going to rest. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. I think that would do a lot for their team confidence. If they're able to rattle off wins this week versus all these really good teams. Um, you'll have the Bucks at 76 years and then the Suns and then the Warriors, and if you're able to do that, I think that will bode really well for them from a mentality standpoint going into the playoffs. I love it. I love it. This is going to be fun. Uh, Swiper, you've been fantastic on this episode, my friend. Michael, can you hit that outro music for us? That, folks, is going to do for this particular episode of Weekends with Swiper. Make sure to follow Cam at Swiper Cam. Make sure to follow me at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Uh, make sure to give likes and subscribe to each of the YouTube channels as we 
continue to grow this podcast as we continue to grow the program. It's been a lot of fun so far. and We're just getting started, man. It's going to be going for months now. But we are going to have so much fun as this team continues to prove everybody wrong. They're going to do it. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it, my friend. Wepi, got any final thoughts? Hey, Lord willing, everybody stay healthy and let's keep moving. I love it. Everybody hit that like button on the way out. We'll see you guys.